Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park M-S-W Media. Hi, I'm Allison Janney, and you're here with me on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And that's my sexy voice. Boom. Well, pour yourself a glass. Sit for a spill, it's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I am Dan Dunn, and what we're drinking is El Tesoro Tequila, which simply is one of the best tequilas in the world. It's made by Carlos Camarena, who is a legend in the business at the La Altena Distillery in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, and we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Now, normally, if your regular listeners know how this show works, I'm the host, and we book guests to come on the show, and they are interviewed by me, the host. And that's just what we did for this episode. But then I got to thinking about it, and I was like, you know, the two guests that we booked for this show, this episode right now, are so special, not only to me, but to the rest of you, I'm sure, that I felt like guest wasn't going to cut. They needed a loftier title. And so I have made a decision that I've not made before on this show. I'm promoting them, promoting them simply from guests to guest co-hosts. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Guest co-hosts. Now that begs the question, uh, you know, if the three of us are the hosts, Dan, well then who's the guest? And to that, I say enough with the goddamn questions. This is my show. My rules, mess with me when I'm drinking tequila, tequila fires me up. And by the way, what I'm drinking with it right now is I've, I've got a, uh, a Paloma, which we know is grapefruit and tequila. I'm using the El Tesoro Blanco and mm, oh, yummy. Oh, yummy. Okay, so now that we got that squared away, let's bring on our guest co-host. Uh, first up is someone who we all know and love. He is a Emmy Award winning writer comedian, frequent guest on every show I've ever done in my life. He's been a frequent guest, and I'm happy for that. Mr. Tom Caltabiano. Tom, how are you? Uh, thank you, Dan. I'm, I'm doing exceptionally well, especially 
when I know what tequila we're about to drink. It's it's good to see you, my friend. It's good to have you on. And our other guest co-host has won an Academy Award, a British Academy Film Award, seven Primetime Emmy Awards, seven Screen Actors Guild Awards. Among the myriad things she has going on in her career, she currently stars in the wildly popular CBS sitcom, Mom. You know her, you love her. Please give a warm what we're drinking welcome to Allison Janney. Allison. Yes, I'm clapping it up. Hi. Yeah, I'm happy to be back here with you. It seems like it's been too long. It's been how many? I don't even remember how long ago we, we did this. Before. It was a lot of years ago. I had I used to do a show with my pal Zane Lamprey, and you were kind enough to guest on that show. It was many years. We were in, I believe, Studio City. Yes, that's right. And we had some cocktails that day, like we're going to do. Yeah, on- I'm pretty sure it was tequila, too. I feel like it was tequila. I don't know why, but. Um, well, it's it funny. Tom had said originally for this one that you wanted to do vodka. So I was lining up vodka at first, and then apparently you've, have you kicked the vodka? You're off the vodka? What's going on? People, this is a New Year's resolution I'm trying, Dan. I just decided uh, uh, that vodka was the alcohol that, uh, that was causing me the most problems. Okay. <laughs> so you got rid of vodka I, and, and makes perfect sense and go to I tequila. Think I started yeah. thinking, you know, oh, that's the way to like, just have vodka with no fruit juices or something as like a skinny girl kind of drink. And then, and then it's just, no, it's just, I like the sipping tequila part. Cause I don't really like to like martinis just go down so easily. And I like to just take my time with tequila and I love it. And I appreciate it. And it just, it seems to be working out for me so far. Well, that remember every day so far, you're remembering every day. So, so that's why when I, when Tom threw me that little curveball and said, you know, Allison wants to do tequila instead of vodka, I was like, okay, what am I going to do here? What tequila should I bring in? And especially, you know, Allison, I've mentioned you are a very decorated thespian. You've won so many awards. You can't, I don't even know where you, how you keep count. But, um, so I thought, well, let me, I gotta, if I gotta have an award winner like you, I gotta have an award winning tequila. And this is the thing about El Tesoro. There's a big, Tom's heard of this, the International Spirits Challenge, uh, over the last quarter century. It's a British based competition. It's one of the biggest judgings in the world. It's a blind tasting. As my friend Brad Jaffe, who's a frequent guest on this show, wrote about for Forbes, the most recent international spirits competition, El Tesoro cleaned up. They dominated the category. They netted a gold medal in every major category of the spirit. The, the Blanco, Reposado, Añejo, and Extra Añejo. That's never happened before. And so I thought, you know what? There's only one tequila we can do with you, and that's El Tesoro. How many? Do you know how many tequilas they were competing with? In that oh, I, two. I, two. I, two. I, it was two. All Dan, two of them. Dan's homemade uh, bathtub tequila, and <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, yeah, no, uh, hundreds, hundreds in the category. I mean, that's wow. always the way it is with these. I'm a judge in the San Francisco World uh, Spirits Competition, and it's always that way. You know, everybody enters; they want to get that. You know, when you go to the store to buy something, you'll see that little thing hanging from the neck of the bottle you know gold medal or double gold it's very valuable people that means a lot to brands if they get that kind of hardware how many do you get to judge like what kind of liquors are your uh, i'm sorry if this is so, yeah no so how it happens is it's the same thing san francisco's blind as well so we'll do a category and we're not given a lot of information it'll be like all right this is a 
This is a single malt scotch uh, between 10 and 16 years. That's the category. And then we'll get, I'm trying to remember, it's been a couple weeks because we didn't do it, I didn't do it last year because of COVID, but um, they'll you'll get a, several and there's four judges sitting around a table and it's the it's the top people in the world of it, it. It's it's like going to the Academy Awards of Bart. So it's James Beard winner, you know Dale DeGroff, who Tom knows, and and all of the top bar and restaurant pick uh, people. And we just we taste it and we go, okay, what do you number one? What do you think? And you give it, you're like silver, gold, this. And if there's a disagreement, we'll talk it out, and then we just decide on what it's going to get. And then the top ones at the end, you know, can win best in show, best in category. But it's 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 really it's not nearly as fun as it sounds. It's kind of exhausting because your your palate gets blown out like I pretty quickly. You do to clear your palate in between those. You take breaks and you just you drink. I I just drink water. Really, yeah. I mean, it, it, you just know that by the end, it's you're just. And do you spit like in, when you taste yeah. wine? Yeah. Oh, you couldn't make it. You'd yeah. yeah. You, you have to spit. You'd be wasted. By the way, Dan, uh, I just to be clear, I'm friends with Allison. Yes, she wanted to do this. She said, "If I'm not drinking within five minutes of it starting, mm. I walk." And so now it's non-drink. Do you have a cocktail? Do you have a cocktail going? So Allison made margaritas for both of us. Oh, and, uh, we also Dan just because. A uh, Dutch wants one too. Yeah. <laughs> Allison's dog is climbing on her as we're doing this. There we go. Yeah. Okay. El Tesoro uh, sent a spicy um, dipper. Okay. A, a, a rim, spicy rim dip. This sound, the, by the way, if you're at work, do not Google spicy rim dip. You'll be fired immediately from the well, results do it that in come up. Yeah. Do it in incognito mode. And, and uh, so we can. So we're going to try. You can't see it. Yeah, so no, what happens I, is you're, you're getting this, you're getting this spice. They put it on a plate and then you take a lime and you rim the glass with the lime. Everybody at home that wants to do this. And then you just turn the glass upside down, spin it in that spicy rim. And then you've got, look at that. Spicy. Delicious. Yeah. So you Allison, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you used fresh squeezed lime for this, correct? Oh. Dan, let me tell you, I right outside, if it were daylight, you'd see I have a limon tree outside my house. So it's not, you know, it's it's a limon. They call it the tequila tree. Okay. Uh, and they are, if you've never had one, they taste completely different than a lemon or a lime. It's really a unique flavor and, and it's, they're spectacular. I have like, Can this tree produces. Uh, yeah, no, you have, she almost has to move. So Dan, I would say she topped you. By you saying, oh, I hope you have a fresh. How about I grew it? <laughs> How about I grew okay? it? Picked it's, it myself. It's right outside the store. All right, Dan. Yes. So this is made with Tesoro Blanco, El Tesoro Blanco. Blanco. Okay. Cheers to that, guys. Here we go. Mm. You want me to tell you a little bit about the uh, about the Blanco? Uh, I got my notes right here. Uh, it's unaged. Okay. So just so everybody knows, with a Blanco tequila, by law, it can spend up to two months in the barrel, but generally they never do. Blanco, silver tequilas, they're just not aged at all. From two months to a year is a reposado, arrested. Anything over a year is añejo. Over three years is extra añejo. So this is the Blanco uh, El Tesoro. It is not It is not aged at all. It's just beautiful, really fresh. It got, you get some green olive on there, a little honey flavor. It's... Uh, I mean, what alcohol percentage on this is 40% ABV, which is generally what you're going to get for tequila. 
Okay, for especially for a Blanco tequila. And uh, I think it's delicious. It's 45 bucks a bottle. Can't beat it. We should have probably tasted that before we had our yummy. Um, I know. Well, we have our little tequila glasses. I'm actually going to hold off on I'm going to do the Reposado for the neat tasting because that's how I roll. Now, uh, guys, how are you doing with uh, quarantine and all that? I get good now, right? We're drinking tequila. I have to tell you, Dan, I've most spent most of the the quarantine pandemic time of 2020 in Ohio with my taking care of my parents. And then, so this, I was supposed to be, have started back at mom right now for the, after the Christmas break, but they've pushed us uh, two weeks. So this is the first time I actually had the time where I just was, you know, organizing my sock drawer or going through, you know, uh, sorting clothes, you know, Marie Kondoing my, my house. And, I've kind of, uh, I've made the best of it. I, I actually have not minded the solitude. I, I, I welcomed it for me right now. What about you, Tom? Uh, my story is <laughs> slightly story different. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I like that. I like that. Allison's like, I've really enjoyed the solitude up until this discussion where I have to have Tom sitting next to me, breaking my solitude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of Zooms. It's it's a lot of Zooms. Luckily, we're in the business where other... Well, the, the one thing that I would say that changed for Allison is on Mom... So I was a writer on Everyone's Raymond, live audience. Mom, live audience. So there's no more live audience. So that totally changes the timing of the delivery. You know, that's a real... You're now doing a movie. So is it, it's laugh track now, I guess, right? Yeah, they they do. I mean, they... Yeah, there's basically the director and they allow one writer on the floor. So they laugh and the crew is allowed to laugh if, if you know, they find something funny. But uh, it's it's different. It's a different energy. It's not um, I miss I miss the energy um, in the room and uh, I miss our audiences. And I'm, I'm really grateful that we still get to tell these stories, even without the audience. And we have so much. There's so the COVID protocols are extraordinary on the show. Um, or different zones and no one's allowed to like we so far knock wood we've been able to do it um, and the latest uh, latest numbers though have caused them to be alarmed and and, um, and yeah don't they said don't drink tequila in close quarters to anybody we're, we're, exactly by the way Dan just as uh, sorry as the co-host I'd be interested to hear for Allison since she's one of the few who can cross over from a movie where you have no audience yes to the live audience which you get the feedback and that's what we're talking about you get the timing so you're on a regular show you're rehearsing all week and you've said the same joke all week and then it just feels like okay here comes the same joke again when the live audience comes in it's completely new to them and all of a sudden the actors band they their timing comes from it so it very much does a very and sometimes you you think a joke should be my line your line my line fast then the laugh but the audience laughs after his line. So I got to wait. I got to pause. You got to learn how to ride the wave of laughter from the audience, which I, I always uh, think I brought a skill I brought with me to this show because I started in, in theater. So I, I knew that uh, the business of holding for a laugh and knowing when, how long to hold. I am famous for my pauses. I love to let the audience laugh and let the laugh die down and then let them start up again. before I start, like, I just, I love that relationship and, and uh, uh, playing that because they are the, they're a character in the, in the show, their, their energy, their laughs are part of it. So we don't have that anymore, but I think we're still doing a good job. 
<laughs> I'm sure, by the way, I'm sure the shows are great. It's just fascinating to hear from someone who's such a good actor to know that you feed the audience. The audience tells you, stop talking because we're going to laugh so hard that you're going to have to wait to deliver your next line. And that goes away. Dan. Oh, hold on. That was my pause. I, I don't know if you know. I'm very good. Yeah, I, <laughs> Dan, you never, you've never been to a, a live show. Did you ever go see Raymond or did you ever see? Well, I mean, a, I wrote for a show. I wrote, but I wrote for Talk Soup. So we didn't have an audience. We just had. I love it, Talk yeah, Soup. It was, oh my I God. I have a knife that Joel McHale gave me, the largest hunting knife that is up in my bedroom. Oh, and okay. I'm not sure how to open it. Like, but I'm, <laughs> I'm it, it makes me feel safe that it's there. But did you work with Joel? No, I was, I was before Joel. I was actually there. It was Aisha Tyler. Okay, great. Yeah, Love so Aisha was there when, when we were doing... So Joel actually was the soup, which was an iteration of Talk Soup. Like, Talk Soup was okay. Kinnear. Talk Soup started with Greg Kinnear. That's right. That's and then right. it was John Henson, Hal Spark, and then Aisha. And then they revamped it and made it the soup, and that was Joel. But I know Joel as well. Right. I, I did a, I did a, I've met Joel numerous times, but last time I saw him, he and I did a panel together for Doer's Whiskey. Uh, that somehow he and I ended up somehow they paid us uh, to come out and do this thing for doers and always a really, really great guy. Now, Allison, you mentioned your theater. So you, you started in college and when I was researching, one of the interesting things was, I guess you met Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward in college and they, oh, yeah. they were very supportive of you. Very. I, uh, uh, Paul was a graduate of Kenyon college where I, where I attended college. I also grew up in Ohio and he, uh, they built a, a beautiful new theater and he came back to christen the theater by directing the first play in it. And I got myself cast in it. And, uh, and Paul and Joanne were, were wonderful mentors for me and, and always through my whole career. And, and Paul uh, always said, if you, if you ever need a favor, let me know I'm there for you. Make it very specific, but I, I think you're talented and I never, um, asked him for that favor, but I loved having it in my pocket. You know, it gave me confidence knowing that Paul Newman said he would help me, but I never wanted to abuse it, but I just loved them. And Joanne, you know, got me into the actor's studio in New York city and she started theater companies in New York city with a bunch of us young actors who were trying to get agents. And they, she really paved the way for us to, um, to have the chance to have a career, especially for someone like me who didn't, there's so many times you get into the business through, your, your father was a, or you know, I didn't have anybody. And Joanne was that person for me, my connection to that opened, she opened doors for me, Joanne and Paul. So, um, uh, you know, I thanked her at my, at the Oscars when I won my Oscar, I thanked Joanne because she, she uh, made me believe that I could, I could do it. I watched over the holidays. I sort of got in this maudlin streak. So I started going back and watching some just old favorite movies. And, and one of the ones that I watched was Philadelphia not only because I love the movie, but I, that's where I'm from. And if you remember, Joanne Woodward played Tom Hanks's mother yeah. in Philadelphia. And it was, a, it wasn't a big role, but she was so great. You know, she was so great and did so much in just that, the, the little bit of screen time that she had in that movie, there was, you know, the scene at the end and spoiler alert, in case you didn't see it. What's the time limit on this where you can not spoil the movie? It's been out Seven for years. 30 years. Seven okay. years, yeah. So, um, spoiler alert, he dies in the end. And uh, there's a very intense scene when they all come to see him after they've won the court case. Mm -hmm. And she 
does she doesn't and she just says he's my sweet boy my sweet boy and it's not the way it, it's just every movement was so express and i just bawling my eyes out you know when she did it and just wow. really amazing talent but I've, and i've always heard just that paul newman was the most gracious kind guy there was and just really super down to earth as well he was unless you interrupted him at a dinner <laughs> uh, yeah i've heard that what happened? Which I loved. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a private guy. I'm people, eating. Yeah. You'd be eating dinner. I remember eating with Joanne and Paul at a restaurant near in Weston, Connecticut, where they lived somewhere around there. And someone came up and said, "I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt." And Paul was like, "Well, you did just interrupt." And you know, it was like he would keep very stern with people who would come up and, and interrupt his dinner. So I, I kind of loved that about did, him. Did he, Allison? Did he? see your success on West Wing at least? Like, did he ever, did you ever get an acknowledgement from him? I mean, he must've been aware of it. Um, you know, it's so funny that it's just brought up a memory that I loved about Paul. Cause my, my friend Shannon wrote a movie and she knew of our connection and she said, I want to get this movie to Paul. Cause I think he'd really love it. I think this would be a really great movie for him. And, and I think this is an, I can't remember what year um, Paul passed, but uh, this was 2001 or two that he, my friend wrote him this letter and sent him the script. And the response back was, dear Shannon, I only have one more movie in me. This isn't it. <laughs> this isn't it. He died. I just looked it up. He died in 2008, September of 2008. Okay. Yes. So 2000, uh, this must've been 2001 or two where my friend did that. And I just loved Paul's response. Cause it was, it was just, it was so lovely. Just like, I have one more movie in me and this isn't it. And it's so honest and blunt. And I think I just love him for that. But no, I don't, I didn't talk to him, but you know, I'm sure he saw West Wing, but you know. Yeah. But there was no, there was but no. at least you had made it. I'm just saying yeah. it's gotta be for him yeah. where he goes, this young girl yeah. I think is talented. And then to see it, yeah. you know, that's always uh, rewarding to see. Wait, the beauty of doing a drinking show, though, is you can't mention that. And not we can't have a toast now. So I'm going to pour some. I'm going to pour some neat El Tesoro Reposado. Alive, and I love her so much. And I I saw her not too long ago, but I'm. Let's drink a toast to Paul and to Joanne. Why not? Because yeah. let's go. Here we yeah. go. I, I just poured the El Tesoro Reposado for here, and this, and here we go. We got that. Allison, Allison, can you tell what color? I can't remember which one. Does that look like it? This is the Reposado. The yeah. Diego is the darker one, right? The Reposado has a straw. It looks like straw. Look like the same color. Yeah, they look very... So here, I'm going to do this. This is the one that was furthest away. Here. So how would you have done it? I'm going to do this. Okay. But then you'll match it. You keep yours. Okay. So just match the color. Because this, that looks pretty identical. Now it looks like the same color. Yeah. Cheers. To Paul and Cheers. Joanne. Boom. To Paul and Joanne. God bless them. everywhere. And just so you know, when you mentioned the color on that tequila, one of uh, Carlos Camarena's uh, signature. I mean, when I when I talk about Carlos Camarena, the tequila maker, he's mm. to wow. put it in a context that you guys would get. He's Scorsese, you know. In the okay. world of tequila makers, that's that's how how like revered this guy is. Okay, and what one do you of the look big- for in this, do you look for legs and stuff like that? No, no, no. The only thing I would say is when you're nosing it, you know, you don't want to ram your nose in that glass. You want to kind of hover over it. Because the, the, it's not like wine. Wine, you can do that, but liquor will blow out your, your, your uh, <laughs> as they're both ramming it's their just, nose in there. Dan, it's just the funniest thing. It's literally like, so do you look for legs? No, 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 no. 
But when you're nosing it, don't stick your nose right. What's that? We both have we're nose deep. You couldn't get your nose deeper in the glass. You couldn't do it. Yeah. I think would be give me an O blow me an O point or whatever the expression is. So one of the things that one of his signatures is he doesn't uh overplay the oak. He uses un he uses un uh, seasoned oak, so you're not it's you're not gonna you're gonna find his añejos reposados are not as dark in color as a lot of the other ones you're gonna see, and he really wants to accentuate the agave flavor, which is what I that's why I love this tequila. If I'm gonna drink something, you know, Allison, here's the thing: when a distillate comes out, and I, I direct this to you because Tom knows has been on my show enough times, distillates come out, they're clear, they're always clear, Scotch, bourbon, they're clear. The color, unless you're talking about stuff where they're able to add color, but for the most part, where the color comes from in a dark spirit is the wood. You know, whiskey goes into a barrel. Uh, In the case of bourbon, it's a charred barrel, and then it starts to absorb all of the goodness from the wood, including the color from the wood. So the longer it's in there, the darker it's going to be. If I'm going to drink an aged spirit, I tend to prefer whiskey. So either scotch or bourbon an Irish whiskey or even rum too with tequila. I'm not a huge fan of the, I like a little, that's what I love this tequila. I love a little influence of the wood. Like this reposado for me, I believe it spends about nine or 10 months in the barrel. So it's just getting a little bit of that, but I really want, I want the agave. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? I do too. I think this is much very drinkable. This just a nice, uh, a smooth, uh, there's no burn or bite to it. It's very, I, I really like this a lot. It is a fresh. I so, no, I so love this. I, mm-hmm. I feel bad because I'm going to secretly take the bottle no, when I leave. <laughs> and Alice is going to be like, Tom, did you see that bottle of, I forget which one it was. I'm like, this I may be my new, this, this, this might be my, this might be the one. All I know is I love, and I've gotten many bottles of El Tesoro as presents, but I don't think I've had the Reposado. I think I've gotten the Añejo before. And then they also sent this lovely bottle to me as a gift. Oh, the Paradiso. The Paradiso. Oh, yeah. So that's an extra Añejo. How great is that? Should I, like, I mean. Five years in the barrel. Five years in the barrel as opposed to Reposado. And and that's in French French oak uh, ex-cognac barrels. Look at that thing. Uh, the drum roll, Dan. Look at wrapping it up. Look at that thing. That's a good looking bottle. Beautiful. So I don't want to burst your bubble on this vodka thing, switching to yeah. tequila, but you are aware 40% Uh-oh. alcohol vodka, which is what most vodkas are, yeah, and a 40% alcohol tequila is the same exact amount of alcohol. In other words, but you're saying if you drink tequila, you tend to go lighter on it. Then you- I don't, I don't like, I don't make a big smoke martini with a, with tequila. And I'm a friend of mine and I started drinking martinis and I never liked them. And all of a sudden I just love them. And one is never enough. And like the pillow and what kind of martini would you do? Would you do it with vermouth or you're just doing, Oh yeah, I like a teeny bit, like just the teeniest bit. So maybe like three to one or, or four to one or something. No, 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 not like, even. I mean, like just four, like the teeniest bit. Twenty-seven like, to one. Twenty-seven. So like a you're you're doing three ounces of vodka and then maybe like a 
tenth of an sure. ounce of uh, yeah, just the teeniest. Just, I don't really want to taste it. That just want a hint of it. I like it really cold with you know uh, uh, ice. Uh, what do they call it? ducks on the uh, what's that expression? Ducks on, ducks the, on pond the pond or ducks something pond, like yeah. cold the, with ice chips floating. Sure, and a and a, and a, and a twist of a uh, uh, lemon and. I just love them, and I I, uh, I just decided, you know, I just want to lay off the vodka for a while because I love to drink, and I don't want to not drink, and I just thought I'm going to switch it up for a while. And so far, it's been actually great because I'll have a, um, a little thing of tequila. And- do you want to taste that, Allison? Yeah, I do. I selfishly want to taste yeah, it. Yeah, I want to taste it. I yeah. want to, like- oh, you're going to open the Paradiso I- right now. You're going, you guys are going for it. Is there something interfering with your happiness, preventing you from achieving your goals? Yeah, it's called a pandemic. I've been struggling with it, and at times I've kind of felt alone. And, well, thanks to this sponsor, I know that I'm not. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. That's right. You need to talk to somebody. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash drinking. That's Better, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. As a special offer for my listeners, you're going to get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash drinking. If you need help, it's there for you. I don't know. He's rushing me. Now, while you're doing that, can I can I bring up something, Allison? Your first TV role yes. was on a show that I, I got to figure I'm only one of a handful of people that was I was a I remember watching this show and loving this show. Morton and Hayes. Right. Wasn't that the show? Are you kidding? Stop it. Yes, Morton and Hayes. You didn't watch that. You did? I swear I watched it because I, you know, I've long been a big fan of Rob Reiner. You know, Spinal Tap I was is in my top 10 movies of all time. So yeah, when he did that sh- when he did that show and it was also like Christopher Guest was in- involved, Michael McKean was involved, Kevin Pollack was right play- played one of the leads on that show. And I remember I mean it had to be with 30 years ago, right? Oh my God, more than that. Um, I mean, I was that, a teenager but... and I remember watching it because it it stood out to me because they would have these segments. A la, you know, the, the Honeymooners. It was the lost episodes of the Honeymooners, but it was the lost episodes of, uh, of uh, uh, what was the show called? Morton and Hayes. Morton and Hayes. But so, the, but, so they find them in a vault somewhere. But what and, was great about it was they weren't making fun of that. They were celebrating. They did it earnestly, right? The old clips black, that they- And they did it black and white, which was, we weren't sure that that most people would- you know, people would be like, what the hell's wrong with the TV set? You know, what the heck? What's the co-? Uh, and, and it didn't go. It and didn't last so, long. Yeah. It didn't last. How excited do you think I was, Dan, growing up knowing I was a huge fan. Spinal Tap was one of my favorite movies. And I had to go audition for Christopher Guest and Rob Reiner. And I was terrified. And I I got that part. And I, I remember... I chose to do, um, I was like a debutante in one of the episodes coming out with um, um, Maria, what was her name? Oh God, I'm going to forget her name, but she was the actress who played my twin sister. And I was like eight feet tall and she was eight feet wide. It was that kind of joke. Sure. And um, we're coming out and whoever marries us gets millions and millions and millions of of dollars. And um, 
Uh, and I stood up at the top. They were like, I'm now introducing these ladies of society. And I got up at the top of the stairs and I'm like, like this was my move. This was the move that and Rob Reiner loved so much. He was like, where did you, he was just fascinated that I came up with that. And I thought, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the Rob Reiner, Christopher Guest Club. And, and then the show didn't go. And then, and then I remember following Christopher Guest and just wanting to be in everything he did. But after West Wing, he said I was too famous to be in his other stuff. And I always, I was so mad. I always get mad at him because I'd see him at the Globes or something or some awards show. And I'd send a note through the crowds and I'd write, why would you, I want to be in one of your movies, put me in one of your movies. And I'd watch the note go across the room of celebrities and land in his lap. And he'd see it and look up and find me and go, <laughs> like that. I was like, you fuck. I'm so mad at you. I've always wanted to be with Christopher Guest again and he won't have well, what, so. what is that like for you? So you get this show, you get your first network is on CBS, your first show. And the thing goes away in six episodes. You Are you thinking, okay, this is it. I'm done. Or, or do you just, nah, uh, next thing. At the time, I think I was still entrenched in, I had moved out because of a boyfriend to LA. Uh, but I was still like, I'm okay. I'm a theater girl. I'm okay. I don't need television. I'll go back to New York and do theater. It was like, it didn't happen for me. It wasn't meant for me. It wasn't mine. So I went back and then, and then got lured back out with, um, I was doing a movie and, and then got called to come in and audition for West Wing and, and then things happened. So, see, I wish I could, I wish I could have had that attitude. I had, uh, as Tom knows, one of my books got made into a pilot at Fox and I kind of had that attitude for most of the experience. And then there was this moment when I went, cause I, you know, like you were talking about, you don't have any, like I grew up poor in Philadelphia, like poor in Philadelphia. Right. And here I am and we're doing this pilot and I was like a rube, you know, like when they were making it, I remember the first day on the set, it was called living loaded, which was the name of my book. And and I remember living the loaded? living loaded. And I remember like the day I thought the name up for that book. And here we are, there's signs and there's hundreds the crew is a it was for fox it was a big pilot and donald sutherland was in it you know a bunch of people really yeah and and Can you see this i want to see this no I no i can't I you can't. don't have it i have it but we're not watching it we're never <laughs> i want to see it we're never watching it all right it would have been great and there's at another time i'll tell you why it didn't go great but i remember the moment that i started to go okay i can get used to this was we were on set and it was maybe like an eight-day shoot and i was having problems with my eyes like i started having like i couldn't see and, and now eventually i had to get glasses and i and i was telling the showrunner and he says oh yeah well hold on like he goes, he, he, problems with your eyes that happen like Suddenly, sudden, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. no. I, I just mentioned that I was probably going to have to go see an eye doctor because I was having trouble seeing long distances. And that was it. I wasn't asking for help or anything. And like 20 minutes later, he comes back and goes, hey, I got you in with the uh, top eye guy in L.A. He's in Santa Monica. And we're at uh, downtown Center Studios, you know, that place. We're down there. And he says, yeah. And I go, when? He goes, uh, this afternoon. And I'm like, uh, all right, well, how do I get there? And he's like, well, a PA will take you. And I go, okay, well, how do I, And I, you know, because I'm a, a EP on this show, creator. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, how do I get back? And he's like, what are you talking about, man? The, he's going to wait for you. And and then the PA comes up and he's like, uh, Mr. Dunn, can I, I'm going to go get you some food. What, what? I'm like, no, no, I'll get it. And Tom's like, 
No, no, that's what he's here to do. So he's going to get me food and then he's going to drive me there and he's going to have to wait in the car for me until I'm done. And then I go to Tom, I go, Tom was the, the showrunner. And I said, well, how much is it? <laughs> how much is the doctor? He goes, don't worry about it. What do you mean? Don't worry about it. He's like, it's taken care of. I go by who? Cause I couldn't, I'm like one of those guys. Like, I don't like, I want to know who's paying my bill. You know what I mean? And he goes, don't worry about it. So then we went and went and next, you know, the guy gives me a prescription. We're going to get, and that was the moment when I went, you know what? I could, I guess I could get used to this. And I l- allowed myself to think. And I, and I, and also I was like, you know, the money was like unlike anything I'd ever experienced before in my life. Like if you create a network show and you're an EP on the show and they also bought my, they had to option the book and buy the rights to the book and everything else. So I started doing the math. I was like, what if this goes to series? Right. I was like, it's, I was at 22 episodes. I'm like 22 episodes. I was like, Oh my God. Like I'll be able to buy a house. Oh my God. (laughs) And that was my biggest mistake right there because then it was, then we actually made the pilot, and I'm like, "There's no fucking way they're picking this thing up." So, Dan, yes. tell tell Allison the end of the story, which is you're doing this podcast from a double wide trailer uh, out in Vegas because it didn't work yeah. out. You exactly. don't have a mansion. Well, actually, the show Tom, didn't go. Tom, I, how do I skip over this part of the story? It was how fucking cool Tom was. Tom and I, can I tell this, Tom, or is this no good? Yeah, I just think, here's my, 100%, I'm happy to tell, I wanted to tell a Ray story about a PA type of thing related to that. I'm just saying. I'm going to taste this way. Yeah, whenever whenever Allison's here, I feel like, because I know this, because I've been friends with Ray since way before he was famous. And people, when I go, I'll do something with Ray. Wait, let's pause for this. What is your, what is your reaction? (laughs) Allison just took a big sip of the Paradiso. Yeah. Is it good? You that's had a cognac-y thing. That is definitely a, um, that's very rich and, and. You like it? I personally love it. I love it, but you this is very it. much, I wasn't expecting it, but this is very much uh, after a big meal, like a thing I would like to just, you know, it's after yeah, a you're, meal. You're, you're, you're in your cognac it's snifter a, in your leather chair. Uh, yeah, no, it's an, yeah, you want to. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, I really, no, no. Well, I, let me let me tell the Ray story related yeah, to that because. But what I was gonna say is, when it's me with Allison, because let's face it, Allison and I are friends. We love hanging out. I live right by her, so I'm like Allison. Let's do this together. And to me internally, I'm like, but I want to hear your stories because I know Dan, and Dan knows a lot of my stories related to what you just said about for people listening who haven't been involved in show business. The first year of Everly's Raymond, Ray is such a humble guy. He comes from stand-up. He has zero money also. He's just struggling. And so the very end of the first season, which Raymond was not a hit at the first season, Ray had, Ray who had been doing laundry, we, we shared an apartment together. So we did laundry together. And then eventually he was so busy because he was an editing yeah. He He takes his laundry to get done. And at one point he goes, to, is there any way that a PA could pick up my laundry? Okay. And the, the, not the line producer, but the production coordinator gives Ray shit for having a PA pick up his laundry. Oh my so God. So an executive producer oh who was a very strong willed woman woman is in the writer's room and Ray goes, yeah, I kind of got reprimanded for having the PA go to the end of the block where the dry cleaner was to get the thing. Right. And she goes out of the blue. Cause Again, we're like Dan. We don't know the the pecking order of whatever. 
the exact woman goes, what, 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 what did she say? What did the production coordinator say to you? Yeah, she, Amy, I shouldn't be doing that. Ray, you're the star of the fucking show. If you want a PA to wipe your ass, he is wiping your ass. And she storms out of the room to reprimand this woman going, you're giving the star shit for having, like he, she, her head went, you know, whereas Ray was like, Dan, Ray would be like, well, it's Why? okay. This Maybe. production assistant that would give him shit. For she ended up getting fired yeah, from the show. She got fired from the show. Not because of that you know? for other reasons, but it was just funny because Allison, who I know is such a nice person, but they also don't want you. They don't want you going, Oh, sorry. I had to run some errands. So I don't know my lines. I don't know they my lines. Yeah. Life good. Yeah. You're worth millions of dollars to the network. So they're like, please let not have Allison, even if she's willing to do it, pick up her laundry, please. Can we take something off the table for her? That's their mentality. So for Dan, surprisingly, they really valued him. They, they somehow to- they, they thought I was worth something. Speaking of nice guys. So Allison, very quickly, what ended up happening was Tom and I were going to pitch this show based on living loaded. We come up with a whole thing. And I remember it was a Thursday. We were pitching FX the next day, okay? That's our first pitch. And we're meeting to go over the pitch at, what was that, Victor's, whatever, Victor's oh, Deli. Hollywood. Oh, yeah, Victor's, Victor's. Victor's Deli. Dan, let me let me just stop for a second just to paint the picture. Every year in the fall, turn that off there's there. a bunch of, there's a bunch of uh, shows that get pitched. And there's a window to pitch sitcoms to networks. So when Dan is saying we pitch a show... You usually go in with a writer and maybe the guy whose idea it was. So in this case, Dan writes a book. I sit there with him and we go, hey, this could be the story. Let's pitch. Okay, great. Everything is lined up. We're now going over the pitches the next day. We're going to have the pitches the next day. We're going over them in a deli in Los Angeles. Well, we, hadn't, we, hadn't, we hadn't gone over it yet. You were a little bit late. And we're going to go over this pitch. And we're keep in mind, we're pitching FX. And this becomes important. That's our first pitch, FX. Meanwhile, the book hadn't come out yet. It was still in galleys. And so one of the things you do when it's in galleys is you you hit up your celebrity friends, like I'll be hitting you up, Allison, for the next book, so that you actually you gave me one. No, you did give me one for for yeah, American Wino. Right, I did. Yeah, I did. Somebody wrote it for you and we put it on the back of the book. Uh, but it's okay. That's what everybody does. So you actually are on the back. That's right. You're on the back of American Wino, my most recent book. So in this case, I reached out to my friend Rob Meckelhenny from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He created Sunny's stars in the show. And Rob and I worked on, they had optioned my first book, Nobody Likes a Quitter. So I give him the book just to get a blurb for the book. That's all I'm thinking. While I'm waiting for Tom to show up at the deli, Rob calls me. So I go outside to take the call and he said, Hey man, I just finished your book and I fucking love it. And I just had this like dream last night that this is my next show, this book. And as we're having this conversation, Tom pulls up and Tom's like, and I go, I'll meet you inside. Right? So Tom goes in and I said, okay. And so I explain what's happening that with Tom and I, and Rob says, well, you know, I don't want to be a dick. But this is when Sonny was the biggest show at FX. And he goes, I don't want to be a dick here, but I'm pretty sure you're going to. In fact, he goes, I'm I can almost guarantee you that if we take it into FX, they're going to at least order a pilot. And he goes, but I don't want to screw you with your with Tom. And if you want to go in there and do, you know, I'm just letting you know that that's just the reality of it at this point. And, and I said, OK. 
And now I'm sweating. I'm getting so anxiety because, and I go in and Tom is in there with his friend, Tony, and they've got all the notes spread out on the thing. And Tom's like, okay, ready? Here we go. And I go, uh, hold on one second. I'm going to be rich. I can't wait to sell the show. Boy, I I need this money so badly. This is going to be great. My future is set. What, 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 Dan, what was that phone call about, by the way? You seemed a little and nervous. And to Tom's, to Tom's credit, when I explained what had gone on, you said simply, you're like, well, you have to do it, you know? And if the show gets picked up, you can give me a job on the writing staff. And I said, well, absolutely. If anybody will give me, let me do that. So yeah. that's what we did. And, and he wasn't right. But I mean, he wasn't wrong. By Monday, they had already bought it. <laughs> so I was like, yay. What Dan is leaving out is, uh, they had a development deal at Fox. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they were already FX. So they were ready to buy stuff. So they're like, we want content. Mm-hmm. And Dan said to me, listen, I am not, uh, 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 I am having a little trouble paying my rent right now. If you, Tom, think you're going to sell it. And I said, Dan, the odds of us selling it are slim. They, they have a development deal. I would go with them. And yes, if I get the job, if you get the job and the show's on the air, great. And I just said, by the way, I called my agent and told him. And how do you think my agent reacted? <laughs> Ballistic. Yeah, I remember Ballistic. that. You were you were saying your agent was saying what an asshole I was, and oh. blah, blah, blah. no, I was saying I, oh, I was you saying were, you were calling me the yeah. asshole. No, but I, I anyway. The, the whole point is though, in the big picture. You have all these shows. To get one on the air is astronomically hard. To have one stay on the air, right, like the Christopher Get, is astronomically hard. The odds of get the odds of being on a mom are so low. No, I've been on plenty of moms. Oh, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I'm sorry. It's the it's the tequila talking. I, Allison, really? it's that point of the show. Jesus Christ. Dan, um, yes. Now that we're into hour two of the podcast, <laughs> this, you think- this is happening during pandemic, by the way. My shows used to be 45 minutes to an hour. And now, like, as this thing drags on, so the, the last week's episode was the guy guy from Faith No More. And we just start drinking. And I'm like, he's, I'm like, eh, it's an hour and it will just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I feel very warm and comfortable inside. Good. That's, that's <laughs> what the tequila is. You're also in your house. By the way. I'm also in my house. I turned off the phone. There was, was a flame going over there, but it also was making noise. I thought maybe Dan might. What is that sound in the background? Yeah. There's a fire. By the way, Dan. Yes. Uh, this, this stuff is so tasty. I don't want to drink too much. I'm drinking that. What's that? Until after. I'm not drinking that until after. I want to try to taste the... Um, All right, well, then let's do this. Well, well, why don't we we'll try a little thing here that I've put together. Okay. For, for Allison to do, and, and this will maybe distract us from... Actually, it won't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name some films, Allison, that you've appeared in. And okay. I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Okay? Right. Now, just so you know, if I don't agree with whatever it is that came to your mind... You have to do a, a, a shot of tequila. No, I'm kidding. Or, or you could. Okay, so just whatever. Just whatever comes to mind when I mention these films that you've been in. By the way, Allison is, like is quaffing. Allison is quaffing to look good for her answers. Do you mean when I look off camera? I'm, I'm thinking. That's, what, that's my thinking. Right, but Dan, but, uh, I, yeah, he's, a, right he's a cross between um, Colin, what is his name? Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell and the Elephant Man. Yeah, that's me. People insult me all the time, Allison. It's okay. All the time that you look like Colin Farrell, because I'm not sure who that, if that's what I was thinking, but you definitely do. You think so? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's the Irish. Done. Ten, done. Can you do an Irish accent? For the love of sweet suffering, Jesus. 
I was in Ireland right before this pandemic hit. I got back from Ireland three days before they locked us down here. And where uh, were you in Ireland? Why were I, you I was in Dublin uh, visiting distilleries, Irish whiskey distilleries. <laughs> I've been on the Isle of Man. That's that's. Oh that's, yeah, I've not been there, but I'd like to go there. That's where they have that crazy race, right? Where they yeah yeah yes the uh, the car race the uh, what's it called. But this is a stupid story, but it's actually funny because of the industry uh, I'm in, the movie industry. I flew all the way to the Isle of Man to shoot the interior of a New York City apartment. Because <laughs> it was I'm cheaper. not fucking kidding you. <clears throat> in a movie that ended up, no one saw it, and, and nor should they have, but I, I, but Sam Rockwell was in it, and I love Sam so much. It was the beginning of a long- Oh, yeah, you did, a, you did a, the movie The Way Back, The Way Way Back, right, with him? Yeah. Yeah, I love that film. Sam has crossed my paths a lot in my career. I love him so much. But we shot that movie in, um, yeah, The Isle of Man. Before we get to the questions, I will say this, Allison. You sent me a picture. I wrote you a joke for, I think, the Golden Globes or something. And there's a picture that you sent of you reading the joke to Sam out loud and laughing hysterically. Oh, at at the Golden Globes? At the Golden Globes, I think, yeah. And it was so, and I was like, who's... Who's you're like, I'm reading your joke to then and you went Wait, out and I killed with it too. What joke was I it? I cannot remember. Oh, come on. I know come it's on. terrible. To remember. Was we'll it the, to was it the horse walks into a bar? Bartender says, no. Hey, why no, the long face? Because that's one of Tom's old standbys. Yeah, it wasn't one of your uh uh bars for to get you in good with moms. Um it was <laughs> all right, I keep going. But I remember th- I was like, what a great photo because you were laughing hysterically. Because I sent you over, you're like, hey, do you have any jokes for I always those, call. Do you to use him like I use him because no. I he uses me. For I, I'm, fun, I'm funnier than Tom. I actually think I'm funnier fun. than Tom, so I would never call him for a joke. No, I'm kidding. I always call him to help me judge something up if I'm a presenter, and I'm like, Tom, help me make this sound better. What what can I do or help me uh, get a joke together? Because I because they're always wanting anecdotes anecdotes when you go on a talk show, and I I feel like I never have any, and I always ask him I, to. I, Actually, there's a picture, Dan, that I took of Allison. She's doing Kimmel, okay? And I'm helping her with Kimmel because I would help Ray a lot. And really, it's six minutes. And if you don't love doing, like, you know, Ray as a professional comedian would work for two months to do one Letterman appearance for six minutes. You know what I mean? He would be, okay, I'm going to do it, do it. And then he would go out and go, wow, Ray really is natural and makes up stuff. So most people, like Allison, who's this insanely good actress, it's like, well, I got to go on and be spontaneously funny. And it's like, so I go to, well, I'm helping her. She does an amazing job, comes off, and it's the best picture. Uh, it's me in the mirror, and she comes oh, around yeah, behind me. It's it just, it's not, it's just a sense of relief. Like, oh, I got that over with, that yeah. another minute appearance under her belt. Because I think when you're, when you're at home watching, you're like, I'd love to be on panel. And that's what that's the name for. I'd love to be on the couch and talking to Jimmy Kimmel or just telling my life story. And most people who do it are like, please let me get this over with. Right. Oh it's my like, God, it's terrifying. It's the most terrifying thing. I don't enjoy it. I don't think, I, and you say Ray doesn't enjoy it either. Does he? No, he enjoys it, but it's work. As soon as he get like, even yeah. I saw an interview actually with Larry David, where he said, as soon as someone asked me to do something for the next two months, I got to think about it and do it. And think it through. It's just like you said. You're like, I don't want to do any podcasts with tequila with Dan. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, that's the beauty of this show. There's so little thought that goes into it. You don't have, yeah, we don't have to even worry about it. I them. forgot. I, t- I told Tom, I said, I, what do we talk about? I can't remember. What do we, uh, like, it doesn't. No, it's, I mean, by the way, how great does Allison's hair look? It looks great. 
You look fantastic. I wish I were there. I wish I were there with you guys. Instead, I get to be here all alone all the fucking time. Where are you? I'm in Venice. By the way, uh, uh, sorry, uh, she just tested negative. I tested negative for COVID last week and I haven't been around people. So yeah, we're kind of, I don't go around time. anybody. Yeah, but I, yeah, I'm alone a lot. Let me have more tequila. Let me have more tequila. Dan, before you start crying and fogging up the camera, <laughs> do you want to ask Allison these things? Because I have two more. Uh, Allison has a vodka podcast. She promised. <laughs> we gotta do the, I got the rum <laughs> podcast coming up later. No, I want to, let me go back to my original thing. Tom. Yeah, you're Tom. You're about to lose your spot as uh, co-guest host if you uh, keep up with these shenanigans. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I just know I'm seeing Allison's producer going. What 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 is this? What? How much money have we raised for this telethon? How this much up. money did we cure this illness? How long is this going to go on? By the way, Allison, that is the biggest thing of water I've Wait, ever seen. You got to show it. You guys are going to laugh because uh, I've been trying to drink more water, and and uh, this is the Jesus Christ. 8 a.m. Uh, ready to start drinking. And uh, then it says, you got it. Keep drinking. Look how far I didn't get very far today in my. Do the words on the side, do they really pump you up, though? Keep drinking. No excuses. A little bit more. You that made it. Your liver's exploded. Yeah, that's the last one at the end. This is supposed to be how much water you're supposed to drink in a day. No. And today I didn't make it past 8 a.m. So I'm, I got to start making up for that. Allison, before Tom rudely interrupted my prepared segment, I'm going to say these movies that you were in and you just first thing and and they could in some cases are going to be small roles, but whatever. Here we go. First one from 1997, Private Parts. I love Howard. I love, love Howard. Have you, you've never been on, have you been on Stern though? I don't think I've ever heard you. You'd be such a great guest. I've never been on Howard Stern. I was terrified when I got that part and I thought, because I'm not, I didn't really listen to Howard before that movie. I wasn't really a radio person. And, and then I met Howard and completely fell in love with him because he was so, he was just lovely. And Mary McCormick, one of my dearest friends played Alice and his wife. And, uh, and Howard just always, always took, uh, took uh, credit for my career after I'd been in that in that movie, he was like, "Well, Alice and Danny, how come you've never done a show?" Because I'm not a. That's not nice. I'm not that. Uh, I'm not salacious, or you know. You'd be such a good guest on that show. I mean, you've had such a storied career. I would love to have because he. I think he's so brilliant at interviews, and I would love to have him really get into it with you. I would do. I would do anything with him because you're right. He is a good interviewer. He he is very easy to talk to, much like you are, much like Tom is. I feel like Tom should be doing that kind of stuff too. This is Dutch, by the way, who is- Hi, Dutch. That's the dog. Dutch who bit Tom before this interview started. Tom was clearly asking for it. (laughs) My dog is is over here right next to me. Her name is Boona Haben. My dog is named after a Scotch. Bunahaben, I've never heard of that. Bunahaben is on the is on Isla. Isla is an island off the west coast of Scotland, where yeah. the where the most peaty. Do you like Scotch or like you know the peaty scotches? That the, the mm-hmm. most so Lagavulin, Laphroaig, yeah. Bamore, yes. all the peaty scotches are. It's a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous place. And if you ever go there, in fact. Let's make a plan now. When we get out of COVID, me, you, and Tom, and we'll bring a crew, we'll go to Scotland. It is the absolute best place to go visit. It's such a beautiful country. And for the distilleries, 
But what's great about Isla is right next to Isla is a little island called Jura, J-U-R-A. And on Jura is where George Orwell wrote 1984. Really? And you can hike up to the cabin where he wrote it. And it's not like a bit, you know, it's this old stone, the most ascetic living you could imagine on this. It's a very craggy rocks island, very inhospitable place is where Orwell wrote 1984. And when you go there, you think, yeah, no, I get it. I get how he wrote that fucking book right here. I'm on that. I love Scotland. I, I've, uh, I, I've only been to Edinburgh, but I, I, Loved it. It was the biggest small town city feel. You know, the biggest city, but small town feel. It's gorgeous. And I, you know, I've always said, I think they have a minister of charm in Scotland who just goes around and goes, we need more blackface sheep over here. And this, these rolling hills. And and Edinburgh is really, Edinburgh is one of the greatest cities in the world, honestly. But places like Glasgow, like being a Philly guy, Glasgow speaks to me because Glasgow reminds me so much of, it's a very tough, hard scrabble town. And then when you get up into the highlands of Scotland, it's, it's stunningly beautiful. And, you know, Inverness and places like that, and or, uh, the Isle of Skye, which is way up in the West. I love, I love it so much. And I, I can't, you know, one of the things, Allison, and I'm curious to hear your take on this, that I am taking away from, what's happened in the last year is prior to this, I kind of got to the point where I was like, well, I'm tired, man. I, you know, I don't want to go. Like, I get invited on all these trips. And do you want to come to our, do you want to come to Barbados to the distill? And I'm like, no, just send me a bottle, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That, I'm never doing that again. When I get out of this, I'm, I'm going for it again. I feel similarly. I, I definitely, uh, I feel like I've been a, a, an armchair tourist. Like I've not, really had wanderlust but i feel because of this i'm ready to like my fi- my father who's still with us he wants to take a a trip down the the danube um uh i don't know if you go up or down the danube or you always just say you go down the the blue danube down down the planet i don't know he wants to i've never been to vienna i've been to budapest but i've never been to vienna i'd love to go up to scotland with you guys i'm in for that trip folks i've never admitted this on the show before but i'm a guy Yeah, it's true. And as a guy, I'm here to tell you that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. Go to keeps.com slash drinking to receive your first month of treatment for free. Take care of your hair and your hair will take care of you. <laughs> I, 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 by the way, my ADD is not going to allow me to not do this segment that I've prepared. So we have oh, to do it. No, we have to do it. Private parts, Howard Stern. You love that. Okay. Next one. Next one. Uh, American beauty. Uh, Sam Mendes is the thing I love the most about American beauty. The director. Wait, wasn't American Beauty Alan Ball? He wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. Alan Ball, I, I, oh, I mean, I had done a play of his in, in New York called uh, Five Women Wearing the Same Dress. And he got me in that movie. And I love Alan Ball for that. My experience with Sam Mendes was, I just fell in love with him as a director. And I got to work with him again on a little movie called... Away we go. 
So that was a good one for you. That movie speaks to me because you, uh, my mom's uh, uh, bipolar, and uh, but I just thought you did such a phenomenal job of portraying this woman that was so chat. I decided she was just on the wrong medication. You know, she was just on the wrong medications. And there were so many of my scenes that got cut out of that movie, which made me so sad because I loved the work that I got to do and the, the work that I did with Sam. And, uh, but, but it was a different ending. It would have made the movie have a different ending. And so they cut out parts that it, the movie is perfect the way it is. The way they did it is perfect. But I, there's lots of stuff you've got. Oh, they cut that. Oh, they cut that scene. And so I, you know. It's a great film. I almost, when I was saying, when I was going down my nostalgic path over the holidays, I almost rewatched the movie, but I couldn't because of the Spacey thing, because I love Kevin Spacey so much as an actor, and I thought it was going to make me sad to watch that movie and to go, what the fuck, man? Jesus Christ. People have asked me if they think that it's such a cancel culture we live in right now, and and people ask me, do you think people should watch American Beauty? I'm not going to make that decision for you. you Yeah, no, it's not not, not that I'm not making a stand about not watching it. I just think it would bum me out to know that this guy... No, and and don't crucify me, anybody hearing this. That that this guy isn't working anymore because whatever the fuck happened with him, he was. I loved watching him in movies. That's all I'm saying. Okay, now we'll move on before we get in more trouble. Uh, a little movie called I Tanya. What comes to mind when I say I Tanya? Oh, uh, Stephen Rogers. Um, Stephen Rogers, who wrote I Tanya, and we went to the neighborhood playhouse together back in uh, 1982 to 1984, and you know, Stephen wanted to be an actor like I did. And we went off on our paths and our, we were always friends throughout the, our whole careers and, and his took different paths and he became a writer. And, and he, he wrote that part for me. And I remember him calling me to tell me, and he knew that I was a figure skater and that I'd be interested in the story and that I knew about Tanya. And um, I had no idea that I was going to, that it was going to culminate in, in me winning an Oscar. Are you kidding me? I had no fucking idea. I just was so, I didn't even think I was going to be able to do the movie, but I was so flattered that Steven, but, but flattered in a way that was like, he, he called me and said, I'm writing you a part. You're going to be a, 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 an older lady with a bad haircut and you wear a fur coat and you're going to have a bird on your shoulder. <laughs> and I was like, all right, bring it, whatever. It sounds like it sounded up my alley because Stephen knows me and knows I can, the more bizarre and out there a character is, the more I can inhabit it and fucking take it on. And like, I don't care how fucked up the person is or crazy or what they wear. I will just get excited about characters like that. And he wrote that for me, but never in a million years did I think that 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 was going to happen. So that was an extraordinary thing. Is there a moment when you're doing something like that though that it ever crossed i know you said not a million but while you're doing it do you think this is some this is something like i'm i'm i've got my hands on something right now that is special um i knew that the the direct delivery to the camera the he he they chopped it up throughout the movie but that section that i got to do that a monologue basically to the camera I loved doing that so much. I've never had that opportunity to be a character just talking about my from the story from my point of view and, and telling my story directly in the camera was a lot of fun. And working with that bird, 
that I met the same day I had to do it was hysterical because this bird, I never, and you know, I, I came up with the idea of, of me having a, a, a cannula and emphysema because the, the bird people were like, you can't smoke in front of that bird. And, and, and uh, I, was, I smoked in every single scene in that movie. And I couldn't smoke in that scene with the bird. And I said, Maker, do you have one of those oxygen tank things to the prop guys? And they were like, yeah, I think I do. And it happened within like five minutes. Like there was no time to, and they brought it in and, and I had that and the drink and the bird just hopping wherever. And it was so much fun to, to, to have that, that element, that element of surprise in my uh, in the in the moment with me it was it was a lot of um, there were a lot of outtakes I want to actually see those and I don't know if I'll ever uh, see those but they'd be a lot of fun because who is more difficult to work with Chris Cooper or the bird uh, the definitely the bird the bird was uh, was something to but Chris Cooper pooped on you Chris twice. he did yeah. and I had to <laughs> admit that that was not pleasant. Ah, oh, my goodness. Here, this is my favorite part of the show. Once we get to that first hour. All right. Uh, no. This is another one. This is a, we're going back here. 10 things I hate about you. Oh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. I mean, and my friend directed that movie, Gil Younger. Oh, Gil. Oh, my God. Gil was hysterical. I've never met a faster director talker in my life. He was just like, it was just an assault of things. Like every time I was directed by him, it was so much fun because he was like, okay, do this, do this now, do this, do this. I was like, okay, speed fire acting. And um, I think I'm in it with him at the end. He had some uh, B roll of, of, uh, you know, stuff off camera in the credits after the credits roll. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah. I don't check it out because I think we're hugging each other, walking out. I love Gil. He was that was one of my first parts that I got a paycheck that I could buy something more than a barrette with. You know, it was like, oh my God, I could buy a, a coat with the, you know. He was one of the first legit directors I ever met. And it was early two, it was early 2000s. I think it was a script that I'd written. I, it wasn't based on any book or anything that I'd written, but it was a script that I wrote. And I remember meeting him at the Chateau Marmont. You know, I hadn't been here that long. And it was oh, so, and Gil was fantastic. He was, he was, he was great. And, but I remember just being there and it's that you're kind of going like, yeah, all right, man, this guy just did a big movie. Cause I think 10 things I hate about you is probably 1999. This was a couple years after that. And I'm like, yeah, man, this is like, this is Hollywood. And, but Gil was like exactly right. But he, but also a very genuine, nice guy, but he, but he was, you know, he just, he, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. So enthusiastic, so much energy. It was a, I had a lot of fun. It was a very memorable um, part for me because when you when you do a movie like that, do you look at a guy like Heath Ledger and and you know you just you see it? You're like, this guy's got it. This guy's got the talent. Well, he's definitely um, I, my scenes with him. Are I only had a few, but um, I just loved his energy. He had a kind of nice and that really nice energy or nice uh, grounded energy about him that I liked. He was so handsome. And so, but he wasn't an asshole, you know, <laughs> he was just a really cool guy. And, um, and just, it was, it was a lot of fun. I loved working with him um, for the brief amount of time that I got to. And it was very sad when he, he left us, but. I think this is one of these, we got to raise another uh, toast here. Yeah. Did one of Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Cheers. Cheers. Um. 
Mm. Okay. Uh, we got a couple more here. The help. <laughs> All right. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I did that on purpose. Okay. Finding Nemo. No. <laughs> <laughs> It just worked out. That it just a, worked out. Yeah. That, that was a bit we just did. I love the help. Tate Taylor is, is a, a dear, dear friend of mine. And he, that story is remarkable. Um, everything about how that came to be and how I got to be in it with Octavia Spencer, who's one of my dearest friends who I've been with through the beginning of her career and watched her. I mean, Octavia used to come over to my house and watch me get ready for the Emmys and, so like she hadn't, her career was, was, was not, had not taken off at any point, but she was so, I, she was, she still remains one of my favorite people on the planet. And that movie, what it did for her was, was pretty extraordinary. And I was so, it was so great to see her get up there and win that Oscar for that. And for Tate who had Tate Taylor and Octavia Spencer drove from Mississippi all the way across to California to be actors together in a beat up Nissan or something like they were, they were just kids trying to be actors and they drove across. And then, then he ended up directing her in a movie where she won an Oscar. And I got to be, it it was, there was some great stories behind that movie. I was so happy to be part of it. Amazing. And the last one, American Wino. What? Gee, that's your book, Dan. I don't think that's been made yet. Oh, Tom, you didn't tell Allison we're about to pitch this? Okay, here we go. We're in a vineyard. No, kidding. All right, let's do it, Dan. That's my book. Uh, I don't write. Uh, There's no female characters. characters. Why yeah. don't you write Just, female characters? It's all, it's what all do you all against female characters, Dan? There's no. Are there female characters? I, I was. I thought I was joking, but oh, I'm like, fuck. are there? It's a, well. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's. it's it's about my bro- my brother died. Tom knows this. My brother died. Well, now we're. Oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Okay, wait. Hold on, only because Allison's dog is literally. He's growling at Tom, and he wants. So the dog. Tom. So let me paint the picture. I'm sitting in a chair. The dog is against right against me, right. sleeping in his chair, which is also my chair. And so, while you were talking about your brother who passed away, the dog who already bit me once tonight started growling. That's and why. Bite. It's not, he was herding. My dog's a herding dog. He's a cattle dog. And he tried to herd. Yes. Make sure. Tom now I'm I want Okay. To your, gotcha. Well, he, All right. Now Tom I, is I just have, No, no, we're not, we're not going to, no. American Wino is a book I wrote about my brother drowned, jumped off the Venice life. Pier and he drowned. He jumped off where? The Venice Pier on, on, on 4th of July. Messing around, oh, really? like screwing around. And he got caught in a oh, riptide and he God. died. Oh. And so, Several, a couple of years went by and I hadn't properly dealt with the grief and I decided I had a book deal at HarperCollins and I decided I was going to, I, I, I didn't really care about the book. I just need to get the fuck out of here. Right. So I, I pitched my editor on this idea that I'm going to drive around the country ostensibly to become the leading expert on American wine, but really it was to fix myself. And what I love about these stories is Tom always plays a role in these stories because when I pitched my editor, she said, well, there, it's great, but there needs to be some stakes. And so I, I thought about it for a couple of days. I said, what about this? At the end of my journey, I'm going to do a seminar at a very she-she wine festival as the leading wine expert in America. And, and if I fail, it'll be a miserable failure. And she said, I love it. What's the festival? And I, I just, uh, Pebble Beach Food and Wine. And she said, great. Are they on board? And I said, yes, of course they are. Never asked them, right? And, uh, but- when I did the seminar, Tom did it with me. 
I, I asked Tom to I asked Tom to come up and do it with me because I didn't want to do it by myself because Tom we were people were crying and it was you know and I said and I needed Tom just for all the many things that Tom brings to the to the table and I said would you come with me to Pebble Beach and do this and we put together this whole video package and it was a whole it was an hour long thing it was completely sold out people went nuts it was great Tom killed it and probably kept me from becoming a puddly a mess while I was up there doing it. So yeah, the, the book was about, it, the book is about that. Driving the country with your brother's ashes. Driving, my brother, my brother's ashes with me and my brother's a character in the book. And we talk a lot in the book, but yeah, there's not a lot of. What did you do with his ashes though? What did, what did you. I had his ashes in a mason jar and I brought him with me. And Allison, I had no idea what the book was going to be when I got back. I I think I pitched it to Harper Collins as basically kind of a straight wine book, you know, like I'm going to write this. And then I got back and I just, I, I, I was massively depressed and I just didn't know it, you know? And I, and I, and I sat down when I got back, it was Christmas. I was gone for four months and I, and I got back Christmas of 2014. And then in the beginning of January, I sat down and I just, it all came out. I wrote the whole fucking thing, hundred thousand words in, four months, but it ended up being a memoir about me and my brother and our childhood. So when I mentioned, and I'll get you a copy, but hold on, let me just have more tequila now. Tom, take over as guest co-host because now I don't know. Well, I was going to say there's two stories in this that are amazing. One, the day that Dan's brother died, I was at Ray's house. It's 4th of July the surf is so incredibly high and we're noticing it. There was a storm from like New Zealand. And I'm like, how is it? Yeah. The beach, they closed the beaches that day. Yeah, the but, yeah. This is 2013, 2010. And, no, he died in but, 2010. But here's Allison. Oh, Allison, you want to hear a weird small world? Okay. The guy who's yeah. with us at Ray's house, yeah. the day that we're going, Ray's like, let's go in the ocean. Yeah. I go, man, the surf is crazy. Yeah. Fourth of July day. The guy that we're with, the guy that we're with, who Dan put us together with, who's making the barbecue, had previously jumped off the same pier in like a, you know, challenge. What Tom left out of that story, Allison, is I was a partner at a barbecue restaurant. You know what? Let's not talk about that because I don't want him to hear this and think that I'm somehow making him complicit in what happened. But yeah. Yeah, but but, but, uh, yeah, but Dan, you got to tell the best yeah, yeah. the best coincidence of it. I, I'm just saying. I remember that day there were crazy waves and Ray, and then that night I heard they a, a guy died, and I was like, oh, who died? This is terrible. I heard on the radio that somebody died. Sorry, not having for, for clue. And it was my brother, Dan's brother, who I had dinner with with Dan a week before, and so How old was he? he was 20. Dan, 28. No, he was uh, he was 31. There you go, Allison. There it is. Oh yeah, I have a I have a signed copy, Dan. It's on eBay if you want to find it. Um, but <laughs> Dan, tell Allison the other story about. Well, there, there's a couple. You know, another thing, and I write about this in the book that actually happened. And I, I don't want to drag this out too much longer. But what ended up happening, the craziest thing that happened to me that made me think when there's that kind of a traumatic yeah. event was after my brother died. You could I everybody was coming over all the time and they're bringing food and no one's leaving you alone, which is great. You know, it's, it's, you need it, you know? And I, I don't know, it was a few weeks after he died and I 
went out and had some wine with some friends in the afternoon and I came back. And at that time I was the, <laughs> the really twisted part, Allison, is I was living on the beach in Marina del Rey and my deck had a view of the P- Venice pier. So I got to look at it every day. So I went up there though and I, and I put my headphones on and I was having a glass of wine and I had a nice little buzz going and the sun's going down and it's beautiful. And I was listening to the song Never Going Back Again by Fleetwood Mac. You know, the song, the beautiful guitar with Lindsey Buckingham. And as I'm listening to the song, I can, my, I, no, my brother is there. He's in front of me sitting on this chair opposite of me. As clear as I see you right now, I see him. And so it's like, I'm rubbing my eyes. Like this is not happening, but he's there and he's smiling at me and, I was just in that mo and it was insane. And then the song ended and he got up and he walked through the door and he disappeared. And that was it. Right. I, or so I thought a couple weeks later, I was part of this thing called eight to six LA, which was a literacy program for kids that was started by Dave Eggers, who wrote the book, heartbreaking work of staggering genius. And, uh, Judd Apatow was big involved. A lot of people being involved. And there was a fundraiser at the, Writers Guild Theater. And I arranged for all the wine for that for that event. And I went with my friend Jonathan Goldsmith, who is the most interesting man in the world. Do you remember the commercials? And I went with him and his wife. And so we go to this thing, and it's a great lineup of talent. It was comedians and musicians, Randy Newman, Aziz Ansari, uh Fiona Apple, a bunch of a whole bunch, and Apatow hosted it. And we get to the end, Randy Newman, who was it? I forget who it was the end, but it was over. And then Apatow says, hold on. I have a special surprise before we end the show. He said, today I was out and my neighbor, I saw my next door neighbor was out cleaning his car and we started talking and I told him what we were doing. And he said, oh, please let me be part of this. I, I, I do want to be part of it. And I said, of course. Of course you can be part of it. And he said, so ladies and gentlemen from Fleetwood Mac, Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, get out. And Lindsay Buckingham walked out. On, you can Google it. It's, it's on YouTube. And Lindsay Buckingham walked out on stage and he played Never Going Back Again. And I was like, I'm getting teary eyed now. And I never felt anything like that in my, I I went, this is not an accident. This is, I don't, you know, I'm very pragmatic. And I went, this is holy crap. This is my brother saying, Hey man, you know, so there you go. I I wish you're lucky to have a, a get an experience like that, Dan. You really are. Mm. That's amazing that you had that. Lindsay Buckingham took Allison's virginity. I think this is a real full circle. (laughs) Priceless. Thank you, Tom. This is why I brought Tom to Pebble Beach to bring me back from the edge of maudlin. Yeah. Well, you, you need a little bit of light comedy. By the way, now that we're in hour three, how much have we raised on the board? Do we know? <laughs> and by the way, we have. I'm happy polio. to announce we've raised enough money. Polio is gone. Polio gone. Yes. COVID cured. We've done it. Cancer we've done over. It. COVID is Tom? over. Is he gone or is he? He's our, he's out. He's out by the time. Well, not. We could be talking long enough. He's probably gone. Um, uh, Dan, I don't want to, uh, only because yes. I'm respectful to, to uh, Allison's time and, and also. No, no, we're, no, we're she leaving. She's punching we're, me we're under done. the table also. 
which is god damn it stop it (laughs) my hands are above the table i'm gonna say this allison how much fun is it when we do hang out because having any social contact is so rare and what dan's long-winded story about scotland and turning it down in barbados i get it it. makes me want to travel now i do i i'm are you scottish by the way i have some in me are you irish and i can't i can't even do the joke i was gonna go are you irish and italian do you have any of that in you? What's up? Uh, oh, so you know. Listen, I just did a whole um, twenty-three, and I did a whole "Who do you think you are?" thing where we I did a deep dive into my DNA and my ancestors. Hundred percent Italian. It was unfucking believable, and you will see when it airs. I'm not You're allowed Italian? to talk about it. I can't no, talk no, about no. it now, or I will be shot. That was a joke. Uh, um, oh, by the way, does this look like I'm sitting next to an Italian? No. Well, this is not how I usually look. This is like I would say. I would say if I were to guess your my heritage, ethnic heritage, I would say Scandinavian, Norway, or you know, you've got those. You've got that the high cheekbones. You've got that. I don't know what it means in Ireland or Philadelphia, but this means you're way off. <laughs> so when Alice Janney gives you the left right no, take it, run with it. Uh, it's you know, it's mostly. Protestant, you know, uh, just English, Scottish, Dutch, French, uh, English, mostly English. I do have an interesting story, though. Um, If this one ancestor of mine hadn't survived, like, at like eight catastrophic events in his lifetime, I would not be here. It's kind of extraordinary. When you get to see What year? What year are we talking, just roughly? Uh, 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 Mayflower was what? Oh. Uh, uh, 18... 1626. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Why do I always forget these dates? Why don't I retain anything? I don't know. Is it the tequila? What are you talking about? You're a, you you memorize scripts. Wait, I just asked you, when is the Mayflower? What did you say? I said, what did you say? What is the, when did the Mayflower? I said, I said Wednesday and I know that's wrong. No. 1792, 1492, no. Columbus sailed the ocean oh, blue. Forget it. Let's just get off that. I know. I know slavery was 1619 because wasn't that the podcast? The New York Times. I listened to that podcast. I don't know. Wasn't it? So then it was 1620. Why do I consistently am terrible at dates? But I, I, I remember I when Mary Lou Henner. I wish I had like that mind. Have you seen you her? Remember? By the way? Have you spent time with Mary Lou? I have. I like her so much. She's so incredible. It's so infuriating though to have someone remember everything. I, I don't remember nothing. By the way. When people have a breakdown who've won Oscars, it's much more dramatic than right other now. people. Yeah, it's happening. Well, Mary Lou Hatter has a photographic memory of ever, everything. If you ask her, Dan, you should interview her. It's extraordinary, this woman's mind. Yeah, at least she would know when the pilgrims came over. Yeah, why don't you two know when the Mayflower? What do we He's, he's from Philly, he doesn't Dan. even know, he can't count past the letter. I don't even know what the Mayflower is. Oh, damn, stop <laughs> it. It's a hotel, I'm joking. Dan. it's a moving company. It's a moving company. I'm so All embarrassed right. and ashamed of myself. Just so you know, Allison's agent, lawyer, and manager will be editing this. So none of this. We're sending the we're sending the audio files over. None there. of this. You're going to be editing this and make me look great. I will make you. I can't make you sound great. You're already great. We didn't try the añejo yet. Hey, don't yell at me because Tom's not filling your glass with añejo. I'm. You know, I'm trying to keep this thing. Uh, the ship righted. You're gonna edit this though, right, Dan? No. So it's mostly audio. You're not gonna edit it? Oh shit. Okay. Uh, no, I'm gonna edit it. Of course. It will be edited. 
Might not be by me, but some professional person will edit this thing. I wish you were here with us so we could eat dinner after this and be silly because, uh, uh, I mean, not that we're not being silly now. Nobody wishes they were here there with you more than me because know what happens when I get off here? What happens? Loneliness, yeah. Sadness. You're in Venice? We can't make it there. It's just me and my Pornhub premium account. Do you know how good that is? To do a spit take I with that spit expensive out. a tequila, I, I swallowed. You can't do I a spit take sure. with El Tesoro. That's like last. <laughs> I didn't spit it out. Do I you like this one or no? Because I'm going to tell you my favorite of the evening. I Can I tell like you the favorite of the evening? Okay, what what's your favorite? Go ahead, let me hear it. I like Allison better than Dan. Oh, gee, come on, Tom. Again, I'm I'm a fan of Blanco and Silver tequilas. That's me my too. Favorite. That's my jam. I'm with you, Dan. The Reposado, this... Reposado, you said... Oh, you did say it right. I said it correctly, yeah. (laughs) You said said it, yeah. You said Reposado. What is it? Reposado. You said said Reposado. Oh, I need a a rest, which is a respite. So, this, Dan... Oh, my God. They should put this in a bottle and sell it, because this is phenomenal. (laughs) If they... Dan, if they... Why don't they think of that? people need to sell this. Yeah. I don't don't even know. I I know. It's crazy. This has been a fantastic 17 hours of podcast that we've done here. Are we podcasting? This isn't podcasting. This is. Yes. You no, know, it's podcasting. Yeah. There will be visual oh, clips okay. and highlights, but for the most part, it's the podcast. It's the biggest drinks podcast in the world, Allison. You're, I don't know if you realize how lucky you are to be on the biggest, your guest, your guest co-host. How many Academy Award winners have to be on this show? Before I get some respect, Tom. Well, hold on. I'm going to just drink some uh, more Dan, tequila. I'm, I'm, I really am. I'm, I feel humbled. I wish we were in the same room. And I don't care who's been on before, who's going to after. I just think you're fantastic. And this has been a lot of fun talking to you. And I would like to um, continue drinking with you in person. I'm going to, well, I'm going to, we're going to end the show and then we'll have a, a, one more drink on Zoom. Uh Tom, where do people find you? Tom Caltabiano, where do people find you on the social medias? Tom Caltabiano photo. Everybody loves Raymond 360. I'm doing other things which aren't necessarily go hand in hand with drinking. So that's it. Just Tom Caltabiano photo. And you'll find a lot of pictures of Miss Allison Janney on my photos because I have, I always have a camera. Tom takes the best photos ever. I have the most, my most favorite pictures of me with my father and my mother. Tom has taken, he has, he is amazing. And the only one that rivals him is my uncle, Michael Putnam. Because you, you're related you, to him. I know, but you met him at my star, star. ceremony. So when he, was, he, he was taking pictures with a Leica or something. So Allison like, Janney has, a, has an uncle who's an old school photographer. photographer. So if you, if you step back in time and took a snapshot from 1950, her uncle would be there with an old Leica camera. So when Allison... When Allison got her star on the Walk of Fame, she said, Tom, I want you to be a photographer of that. And I said, well, I'm never without my camera. She said, no, I want you to get paid. I want you to go through Warner Brothers and be in the pit with the other photographers, which I was. Which, Dan, I'm going to send you an unsigned photo of that, of Allison looking spectacular, getting her star on the Walk of Fame. Because everybody's there. Your West Wing pals are there. Chuck Lorre is there. Mm -hmm. Everybody's there. Because... I have to say, Dan, don't record this. Of all the actresses I've met, I've met a ton, a ton. You are the most, the first time I met you, it was my manager said, hey, can you have dinner with Allison Janney and me and whatever? I said, sure. Who's Allison Janney? And he's like, 
she's on West Wing. She's won a bunch of Emmys. I'm like, sure, I'll go to dinner. Every actress usually is so narcissistic and so no listen. I feel bad like casting aspersions on all of that. But I'm sitting here going, wow, this this actress is very. She's listening to stories and she's listening to other people's stories, not necessarily mine. And then that that has to be ten years ago, I would say, mm-hmm. right? And so I just thought, wow, what a because Dan, let me tell you something. You as a person who has drank so much. L- tequila right now that it's obvious the dialogue that you're looking for in relationships is a give and take and there's nothing worse there's nothing lonelier than being with somebody who's like yeah let me talk about myself yeah. all the time hey you know your problem let me top it you know your thing let me top tom it. tom is this good is this gonna be a long story because i have some stuff i have some no, more, seven stuff more minutes about me because dan okay. here's the thing let's yeah. go to the tote board how much have we raised so no, far but- polio gone <laughs> allison are you on, are you on the, so where people find you on the social medias? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm not, I'm not on, I mean, there is a Facebook presence, but I don't, I don't go anywhere near that. <clears throat> I'm on the Instagram on Allison B. Janney and on the Twitter, Allison B. Janney. But the only thing I really do is the Instagram. I'm very, I'm a very timid social media presence. I don't really enjoy, I'm a very private person, Dan. I don't, I don't relish sharing things with the public um well i'm gonna i'm gonna share a video with allison that she'll clearly post on her uh instagram account of all the fun and joviality we've had here on this episode of what we're drinking i will post that on my instagram account i probably won't do twitter i don't know how to do it i don't post i'll it. help you but it better be a very flattering angle yeah i better allison. look yes no we're gonna we're gonna make sure that it all looks good i i want to i do want to sincerely thank Tom Caltabiano and Allison Janney for joining me on the show. As always, I want to thank you guys for listening. I know you got a lot of options out there in terms of podcast. In fact, everybody in the world has a fucking podcast right now, except Allison and Tom. It's the only reason they're on here. Once they get their own, I'll never see them again. Yeah, we're going to start our own tonight. Follow me at WW... I've had a lot of tequila. WWD underscore podcast. That's the podcast. And then at the imbiber, uh, Allison Janney, Tom Caltabiano, El Tesoro Tequila. Thank you for uh, giving us this bounty of juice. And to here's to El Tesoro. Have, thank you for El Tesoro. Here we go. Tesoro, yeah, here we go. Hey, oh, El Tesoro. Hello. Thank you for making something so delicious. Like that's. And uh, yeah, see you next week, everybody. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 
21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 